this evening. We are in 1 Kings chapter 21, almost at the end of 1 Kings, but really it's the 1st and 2nd Kings are one book that only divided because the scroll would be just too big to carry around, so they split them into 1st and 2nd Kings as with Chronicles and Samuel. We uh, will get to the death of King Ahab, and surprisingly, it's not by a whale. Um, we'll probably have to take that in two, two sections. Um, the sermon or message study tonight, all together, is entitled Neighbors from Hell. And uh, I'm not trying to be a wise guy, literally speaking. Royal neighbors from hell, we could add that. You know, location, 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 but... There are, that is based on the, the neighbors, too. Chronologically, this 21st chapter really should be chapter 20. We discussed that a little bit last session. If you follow the, the order of events, then this seem out of place. It's nothing, not a big deal, but it flows much better that way. But I was not consulted, so you cannot blame me. What we have on exhibition here, let me pause for a minute. It's pretty warm up here. Is it warm out there? No. No? Bummer. (laughs) It's all right. If I fall asleep. One exhibition in this chapter is the grace of God. The best, one of the best topics in all the Bible. And... This grace of God is made available to the worst of people, and Ahab is one of them. Also on display is God's complete disgust with somebody who is completely disgusting, and that would be Jezebel. And it is a tragic mistake for a human being to presume that God is all bark and no bite. And that is also what is coming out of this chapter already established from the previous chapters is that this king Ahab is a fool. Spiritually, he is a fool. As a king, he's not that bad, but as a person before God, he's out of his mind, and that comes out again in this chapter. And we we get to see how petty he is in addition to his wickedness. There are other characters in the characters in Scripture. They're, they're wicked and they're not petty, but he's both. Verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And now, so they're neighbors. This man Naboth is a neighbor to the king in Samaria. Uh, this is... Um, <clears throat> In Jezreel, he was the king of Samaria. Uh, Jezreel is where Ahab built his winter retreat, his winter home. And that's what he's doing there, enjoying his winter. And covetousness is going to be part of the story. So he's about 25 miles from his main dwelling place in Samaria. Verse 2. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden. Because it is near, next to my house. And for it, I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or, if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. Well, under the law, even the Jewish kings could not confiscate land from the Jewish people. Which is kind of surprising because he's not going to confiscate the land. Uh, King Ahab, it's not his right. And so you find them obeying some of God's word and trampling other parts of God's word. Surprise, it happens in Christianity, does it not? We find people that say, I'm a Christian, and they just trample the the commandments of God as though it's, you know, God's looking the other way or he's dumb or something. I don't know what their illogic is, but I do know it still takes place, and we all should guard against it. If you come across a brother or a sister who is caught up in this, and God gives the opportunity, you who are spiritual, restore such a one, and hopefully they will submit and not double down on the insanity. Anyway, uh, as I mentioned, he's going to honor this law, flagrantly violate other laws. That's why it does not end well for him. Jezebel, however, 
is a Sidonian princess, they know no such law. Eminent domain for them, they will just take what they want, and she will bring her Sidonian ways into the Jewish kingdom, this corruption, and uh, everything goes bad after that for Naboth. This desiring for the field for his vegetable garden brings to mind Canaan. Oh, not Canaan, pardon me, Cain, a tiller of the ground. I don't know that there's a lot there. It just came to mind while I was reading this. You know, I like vegetables as much as the next guy, but I'm not willing to kill somebody deemed more righteous than I to get my way, verse 3. But Naboth said to Ahab, Yahweh forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. Now, there's no indication here that he's being sassy, not to someone like you. I mean, he could be, but there's no indication. No, no need to read that in. He's just saying, uh, God forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. You're not part of my tribe. You're not part of my clan. And it is in the law. It's God's land. And I could lease it to you, which I'm not willing to do. And even if I did lease it to you, it would have to come back to me by the time of the Jubilee celebration. So he's exercising his legal right. It will cost him his life. So we have this noble man versus a pathetic man, as such is the case in life. Um, using the covenant name of Yahweh, Naboth saying Yahweh, God forbid that, uh, Yahweh forbid. Uh, so Naboth likely a, a more righteous man than Ahab, telling him land's not for sale, and neither am I. It says here again in verse 3, forbid, uh, God, uh, the Lord Yahweh forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. And you can reference that Leviticus 25 and Numbers 36. Restraints of God's law are often irksome, if not flat out offensive to a heathen and to an apostate. We see this now, you know, people threatening to come to churches and strip nude because they're upholding uh, the sanctity of life and the unborn. And uh, this is, you know, with the wicked, there is no, no shame, said Zephaniah the prophet. Uh, they, they have no conscience uh, that uh, God will honor because they will not honor God. And these restraints that God puts on them, they don't care for. I, I go over in my head, what would I do if someone were sitting in this front row and started stripping in the middle of the service? I would consider that a physical assault on our youth. And I wouldn't want to be that guy. That's all I'm saying. It's not a threat. I'm just saying. Um, you know that um, there are some damages that we can avoid. And sometimes you just have to. Anyway, I don't, I'm not promoting violence at all. Christians are not supposed to be violent. Well, we have traps on the floor that will open up and swallow them down to hell. <laughs> no, we don't. We trust God to protect us and keep them away. Send them to the Baptist church. They've got plenty of water, and they can. <laughs> All right, just being a little goofy on a, on a heavy subject. Well, uh, coming back to this, the apostate will shove aside God's law to make room for their idolatrous practices, and that is what is happening here. It's happening in churches that's saying, hey, you know, we're going to start ordaining homosexuals into the... I mean, you're just, you're, you, you've certainly just turned your back on God with such a move. And it would be the same thing if you... You know, what is... Let's start ordaining serial killers. That congregation would be thinning out over time. <laughs> Did Joe leave the church? In a way, all right, back to this verse 4. So Ahab went into the house sullen and displeased because of the word which Naboth, the Jezreelite, had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. See what I mean? How petty he is? I mean, it just this is pathetic. He's the king. And this is, uh, you know, this land he must have. There's no right. Where is it written he gets anything he wants? This is covetedness. This is the same spoiled evil spirit that was found in Amnon 
You remember, I have to have my stepsister, and you know how evil Amnon was in 2 Kings 13. Same spirit. And so he's beyond childish, and he is seen as childish, uh, but don't worry, Jezebel is lurking. She hates everyone that serves Yahweh. Again, how that faithful servant Obadiah survived, I don't know. But we know who this human being, Jezebel, is. And uh, this is um, some serious stuff going on here for Naboth. Told no by a common subject. No, you can't have the land. And that's one of the hardest words in the English language, is it not to hear? No. Someone comes visiting the church and they want to come in the sanctuary with a sandwich? No. No. Well, you guys are so uptight. I'm about to get a lot more uptight if you don't get out of here with that sandwich. So this baby Huey character that we have here, only difference is he's not, this one's not harmless. Verse 5. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen and you eat no food? Why so glum, chum? She was being manipulated, I believe, by Ahab. I think he was, you know, he knew. I think they loved each other with a human love uh, because he gets bummed out after he really down after he hears about the judgment coming her way at the end of the chapter. But uh, I wouldn't put it beyond this man to be manipulative, and she delightfully so. She, he would get her to do his dirty work. That, that could be part of this of what's going on here. Verse 6, he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. <laughs> who, are the, who, who are you? Uh, by our standards in our society, this is crazy. But these two, don't, they don't see themselves as the problem. Now, Ahab does not mention the reason why Naboth refuses to sell. It really doesn't matter. It meant nothing to Ahab, and uh, it will mean nothing to Jezebel. But we do have to stop and talk about covetousness here. Because it simply means I want something I'm not supposed to have that because, because it belongs to someone else. Exodus 20, verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So if your neighbor pulls up with a nice truck, you can say, I like that truck. I'd like one like it. But you cannot say, I'll take yours. And this is um, something that I, I think we miss because the word covetousness does not alarm the human heart as much as some other words do. We hear it and we sort of write it off to a theological uh, topic. We brush it aside when we hear it. Do you blush when you hear the word covet? Thou shalt not covet. You shall not want what belongs to someone else. It is the deadliest of all deadly sins. It is, of the Ten Commandments, the one that focuses on the inward, not the outward. All the other ones are really external. Uh, the, the, the table of the law, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, bear false witness, covet. That's inside the heart. And as we will see in this section, it leads to lying, to murder, to stealing, and uses God's law to do it. So it is a big deal. Of the Ten Commandments. This is the one I think that we all have broken. It is um, the one that Paul the Apostle feared. Romans chapter 7. I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetedness unless the law had said you shall not cover covet. This is the first known sin in the Bible. Lucifer coveted the authority and the throne of God. I will be like the Most High. I will exalt my stars. And on and on it went. And that turned that archangel into the devil himself. In verse 7, Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. 
Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. You see, the thing about this is he offers no, well, how? Or what are you going to do? He doesn't want to know. He just wants that land. And using her to do it is just, just right for the both of them. She enjoys killing the Jewish people, and he enjoys having what he wants, no matter what. And she understood the wicked possibilities of power. And without morals, it just goes to another level that Satan wants it to go to. And, and Earth has never lacked these type of people in governments. Uh, there is an infestation of people who are drunk with power and wicked at the same time. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. Without conscience, everything... Everything against somebody else is fair if it's good for you. That's the way Jezebel thought. And her course of action seems automatic, without hesitation. She doesn't have to think about this. Why are you sitting down? What? You're kidding me. Cheer up. I'll fix this. She doesn't miss a beat. I referenced Zephaniah earlier. Zephaniah was a prophet to Judah. And he writes, Yahweh is righteous in her midst. He will do no unrighteousness. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He never fails, but the unjust or the wicked knows no shame. They're just not embarrassed. doesn't faze them. You know, I I don't know, in a nudist colony, there's no shame there. Uh, And uh, it just, it's, uh, you know, they might be otherwise relatively nice people. But there's a disconnect that God pronounces on these behaviors. And um, anyway, she doesn't ask, why won't he sell it to you? <laughs> Tell me that again. This is uh, verse 8 now that we come to. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. Well, she's permitted to forge it. After all, he's going to get what he wants. He's going to be so happy when he gets it. No shame, no guilt, no pity, no goodness. But there is a judgment. Where is the soul of Jezebel at this very moment? Same place as Judas Iscariot. Proverbs 6, verse 18. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil. And that's her. So she's used the king's authority, his seal, to bully the village people to do what she wants. And what she wants is Naboth's death. Eternal torment is not something anyone will recover from. And, you know, you, a person can tell themselves whatever they want. There's a date with death and there's a date with judgment. And uh, it's too late for her. The name Jezebel has made its way into the dictionary. Reading from the dictionary, one of them, the one I like, Jezebel, an evil, shameless woman, to call a woman a Jezebel is to put her on the lowest level of society. Well, of course, you got Amnon. How come his name didn't make it? Because he is just as foul. But anyway, it's not a gender war. Uh, Satan would love it to be. There are evil people. I mean, if you want to equal time, then, then let's, you'd have to make Satan a female just to make sure make them happy. See the senselessness of that? It's like, we demand... There was a movement years ago to change the names, when I lived in New York, of manhole covers. Of the people hole covers. I mean, I guess, who does this stuff? Is there like a factory at the end of town where they just mass produce an assembly line of really stupid people? Uh, just... Anyway... Here we have her with the speaking of fabrication, a royal fabrication, a royal lie, a royal on royal stationery, no less, sealed with the royal seal, and of course it ends in royal judgment. These are Naboth's neighbors, and they literally are from hell. Satan is pulling the strings of these people, and they love to have it so, because Satan gives them whatever they want for a portion of a lifetime. But that's as far as he can go. Verse, because, you know, we have a, a, a proverb, no hitches on a, on a hearse. Uh, you can take it with you, you just won't get to use it. 
<laughs> and whether you won't take it, you'll have to even pay the funeral home extra. Isn't it strange you don't drive ride by a funeral home and see little wagons parked out there for people's stuff? All right, and let's go to verse 9 because I'm morbid. She wrote, <laughs> she wrote in letters saying, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people. Poor Naboth, you know, he, they, they we're going to have a fast to call upon the Lord. There must be something that's not right here, and we need the, the, as a community to get together. That's the precedent that we find in the scripture of such a town meeting, such a fast. And he's going to be, you know, one of the tribal elders at the head. And he's thinking, man, this is great. But it's really his death. He is going to be killed, murdered. And uh, this Jezebel and Ahab, they were the law, but they themselves were lawless. Boy, we've never seen anything like that, sarcasm. (laughs) The seat of Naboth with high honor among the people. Uh, This is giving the impression that he is a good guy, and if, if he messed up, it would really have to be big and genuine. That's the impression that this is setting up. Uh, for the guest of honor to blaspheme? No way. But he did. At least that's how the lie is told. In verse 10, and see two of them scoundrels, in other words, thugs, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king, then take him out and stone him that he may die. So it is just explicit. She's very up in front. I want him dead. And this is how I want him dead. I don't want any, you know, I don't want the poll numbers to go down. My husband's poll. How am I doing, everybody? Uh, We just want to act like it's all Naboth. Again, we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. Um, Ahab and Jezebel are truly these wicked people. Uh, When we get to verse 25 in 1 Kings 21... We read the commentary of the Lord, but there was none, oh, there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of Yahweh because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. And we could add, and he loved to have it so. Uh, it would be very um, against the lessons from the Bible to suggest that women have an insignificant role in life. We see she has a very significant role. What does she do with it? Um, she, she does it for evil. Some of you may have heard about of Saul Alinsky and his book, Rules for Radicals. Uh, of course, he writes in this book on how to agitate and upset government and overthrow righteous people, use their righteousness against them. You know, if they say, we answer every letter, then send them 30,000 letters and see if they can answer that and just sort of expose them for being liars that they are. Well, he's created an impossible condition Uh, And it's a one-sided thing. Uh, Everything in Ahab and Jezebel, God hates. Some of you may not be familiar with Proverbs 6. I think a lot of Christians either don't know this section of Scripture or conveniently um, sidestep it. But verses 16 through 19 are quite um, clear. These six things Yahweh hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. That's an arrogant look. That's not the proud or the pride of being delighted. Hey, I, I graduated. I'm, I'm so happy with myself. That's okay. But when you say, I graduated and you didn't, chump, then you're starting to get a problem. Can you say chump from the pulpit? <laughs> I meant chump. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows seed of discord among brethren. That one, I think some Christians misread it. I think they think that's one of the Ten Commandments, to sow seeds of discord amongst brethren, because they do it in churches all over the world, unfortunately. And God says, I hate that. Uh, Well, anyway, Saul Alinsky, uh, this is someone who, like Jezebel, is using the law against the innocent. They're using the Ten Commandments against a righteous man. 
They're going to frame him for a crime or to be framed, charged and convicted of a crime that he did not do. While they themselves have no standards that you can hold them accountable to. Isn't that the news media this way? Don't they hold everyone else to high standards? If you are a policeman and you get caught doing something wrong, or well, you're all over the Don't be a pastor of a big church and get caught doing something that they don't think is right. Oh, your name's all over the news. But what about them? Who follows them around and says, hey, I caught you drunk. I caught you, you know, I, you used a profane word. No, they, they insist on being unaccountable, claiming exemption, freedom of the press after all. Freedom to press you into a nasty situation and get away with it. Anyway, to curse God was a capital crime, and to curse the king was forbidden also. So she wants these two charges against him. One is theological, the other is political or civil. And uh, she is um, she's Saul Alinsky of her day, or either he is Jezebel of his day. And wicked Jezebel had enough knowledge of the Bible to use it against Bible believers. There are people like that today. They have enough information from the Bible to use it against Christians. I thought you Christians, I thought, and they don't know what they're talking about. Stand up to them. Don't take their mess. Tell them, you know what, I disagree with you. And if I agree with you, then we'd both be wrong, and I don't want to be wrong with you. Anyway, Nero's mother was claimed, uh, um, uh, Agrippina, she was said to have done a very similar thing, had a lot of people killed. And one, one person she is said to have uh, had, commanded him to commit suicide and so she could take his his vegetable garden um, anyway the where is she right now at this very moment where is her soul because she is somewhere you don't die and evaporate uh, verse 11 so the men of his city the elders and the nobles who were inhabitants of his city did as Jezebel had sent to them as it is written in the letters which she had sent them. Very likely she had some dirt on all of them, or she just had the army that could just go in and do whatever she wanted, and, of course, with Ahab's seal on it. Uh, This was a government execution, a murder. And their willingness and swiftness to comply shows the moral degradation that the northern kingdom had fallen to. Uh, This is um, Jezebel felt entitled to everything she could touch. And there are people like this. We've we've, seen them in history. We see them now. I don't remember uh, the name of the hotel. She, um, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, she was finally charged with a crime, but she was so incredibly arrogant. So I don't know how many. Uh, well, this is, I'm getting them confused. There's another one that owned like a million shoes. I think she was the wife of the Filipino president. She, these, the arrogance of these people and how they felt they were entitled to everything and everyone else was entitled to serve them. The human heart, it is dark. If uh, the capacity for its darkness, as we learn from the Gospels, one human being can hold more demons than 2,000 pigs. Verse 12, they proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth with high honor among the people. Verse 13, and two men, scoundrels, came in and sat before him. And the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Then they took him outside the city, and stoned him with stones so that he died. Well, the details are admitted. How Naboth was saying, I didn't say this. And then leading him out the city, there was, he was doomed. These two men were, these scoundrels, they were useful to the devil. Uh, they cared for Yahweh's honor of the people when it served their purposes. <gasps> You've blasphemed God. We're so offended by this. Otherwise, they couldn't be bothered with Yahweh. Life in this world is not fair. And um, since Eden has been messed up, Abel being killed by his own brother because Abel was more righteous than his brother, the the innocence of Bethlehem, the little children. Actually, you know, when you add it all up, the little children of Bethlehem, it was, Lord, you did us a favor. (laughs) You got us out of there and brought us up here. This is nice. 
come here often. Uh, John the Baptist, righteous prophet. I mean, I'm just, just some. James the Apostle, of course, our Lord. All of these, that I, these names I just read, none of them were senior citizens. They were young. Of course, the innocents, they were below two, two years old. They're about that age. The others, they were still, you could say, in the prime of their life. And they were cut down. Yeah, life's not fair. Naboth is one. Stephen will be another one. But God knows what he's doing, and we'll come back to that in the end. Verse 14, then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. So they know who penned the letter. They didn't send a reply back to uh, Ahab, even though his seal was on it. They probably said, now, this is not his style. He works a different way. Anyway, they reported to her, uh, pointing to the power Satan had in the land at this time. We're told in 2 Kings that his sons were killed also. Well, you have to get rid of the heirs to, to the land, or else they would just assume the land in, in dad's place. And so this was a very thorough and uh, uh, vicious attack on his entire family, removing anyone eligible to receive the inheritance by murdering them. The, the law was designed to put evil out of the land, and yet uh, there's people manipulating the law. Verse 15, And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned, and was dead that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take the possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give to you for money. For Naboth is not alive, but dead. Yeah. Verse 16. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Well, again, it won't go well for this creepy guy. Where is his soul this evening? Because he does repent, but it doesn't stick. Uh, There's glee in her tone, is it not? He is dead, ding dong, he's dead, he's dead. And the satisfaction in her voice is repulsive. Imagine living at this time. Evil needs no justification. Righteousness does. Righteousness says, i got to have a reason for this. But evil just, well, it reaches a point, fine, I don't care, I'm doing it anyway. Again, Ahab doesn't say, well, how did, you, how, did, how did I get the land? He doesn't care. He just wants the land. He is an accessory after the fact and a willing beneficiary of the murder. Verse 17, then the word of Yahweh came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, uh, saying well, verse 17 and 18, saying, Arise, go down, and meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. Well, evil has its day, but it also has its judgment. And as with Stephen, we may ask, where is the Lord when the stoning of Naboth and the stoning of Stephen was taking place? He's unlocking the gate. The gate to the kingdom. (laughs) It's like, come on in, Stephen. Uh, It's, uh, again, I believe that when the righteous are persecuted to death, God blesses them in a very extraordinary way. Why should we think otherwise? He says, listen, when they arrest you, don't have to think about what you're going to say to them. I'm going to give it to you. So why wouldn't we also conclude when the righteous are being persecuted to death that God is not also there ministering to them as he did with Stephen? Uh, These things are written for our edification. So without hesitation, again, I read from Proverbs 6.18. I've read this already. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift, in running to evil. This is something God hates. Verse 19. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says Yahweh, have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says Yahweh, in the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. Well, of course, Ahab is guilty. Regardless of the role he did or did not play, he's right in there with her. God does not play the silly human games that uh, we find in the courts, trying to wiggle away through and, you know, yeah, but some technicality. God is beyond all of that. He goes right to the heart. Romans 1, 
Paul writes, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Well, Naboth approved of it because he benefited from it. But if the shoe was on the other foot, oh boy, he'd be squealing and crying. Um, he and her, this is a his and hers violent death coming prophecy. That's what the prophecy is. Eye for an eye penalty and, and more. Verse 20, so Ahab said, <clears throat> so Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? But he hadn't told him yet. He just with sort of abruptly appears before him. And he answered, verse 20, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of Yahweh. Um, how dare he call Elijah the troublemaker when it is him? Again, right out of the playbook of the wicked. Accuse your enemy of the evil that you do and never admit to anything. And this is uh, what is going on here. This prophet, he just stands before the king and he's going to deal with him, uh, Ahab being the troublemaker. This is, again, from, from hell's standpoint, you and I, the believers of God, are the troublemakers. That is how hell views us. We are an obstacle to Lucifer achieving his goals, as insane as they are. Some of you have had more experience with this brand of evil than others. Uh, some of you may have been sheltered from having to deal with people that are walking devils. They never tell the truth. And when they do tell the truth, it is so they can get their lie working. And, and they get away with it. People follow them and listen to them. And they swallow. And it's more irritating. Um, and yet we are still called to be righteous in the face of these things and not succumb to, to evil. Verse 21, Behold, I will bring calamity on you. I will take away your posterity and will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. This is the judgment now. He's telling him what's going to happen to him. Verse 22, I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. You're going to pay, is what the prophet is telling him. The king that morning got up and said, I can't wait to get to my new vineyard. Start pruning and tasting and whatever else is going on. He did not expect that he would receive a death warrant from the prophet Elijah. Now, the prophecies that Elijah, or the prophets, not just Elijah are given, such as given to Jeroboam, similar, and Baasha, they were told also that the dogs would, would um, their, their descendants would die, and the dogs would eat them, and if the dogs didn't eat them, the scavengers would eat, would eat them. Well, this is a little different, verse 23. And concerning Jezebel, Yahweh also spoke, saying, the dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Well, Unlike the prophecies against the kings and their descendants, Elijah does not say that Jezebel will be dead when the dogs eat her. Now, it's a subtle little thing, and I don't want to push it too hard, but we pick up on these omissions. Uh, also omitted is the part about her being thrown out the window and trampled by the war horses. God didn't want to spoil it, after all, <laughs> to give you too much. Uh, I, I, what the question is, because we, we're rooting for her to suffer. Because she's caused so much some misery. How much suffering has she caused has not worked its way into the scriptures? Now, we know we can't, you know, get too into that. It's, you know, theology won't permit it. But at the same time, we want evil to be dealt with. And, and God says, I'm going to deal with it. All of it. Just not right away. And that is... Um, and when we then have to then say, okay, then what is my role until you do deal with it? And we, we have that, of course, in Christ. So my thinking is she was still alive even after she was thrown out the window and trampled by the horses a little bit. And maybe when they started gnawing on her, 
And he said, well, that's gross. Well, yeah, but you'll never forget it. <laughs> I mean, a human being so wicked that there's zero sympathy for her on heaven or earth, in heaven or earth. No, just nobody's like, man, it would be almost an insult to, to, to side with anything that this person did. Untold damage to souls. Verse 24, the dog shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. And so now you see the little distinction. Those who die, then they get eaten. I, I know it's ghoulish, but this is it. Um, verse 25. And there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of Yahweh because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. And that also includes that uh, uh, he was guilty for not correcting her, for letting her do the evil. And there, there's no excuse. There's no excuse he could have said, well, I couldn't or... Yeah, he's just guilty of, through and through. Verse 26, And he behaved very abominably in following idols, according to all that the Amorites had done, whom Yahweh had cast out before the children of Israel. Well, of course, the, in the law, Moses gets into detail about this, that I'm casting these people out because of these things that they're doing. And he itemizes them and says, and if you start doing them, I'm gonna them, I'm going to cast you out too. Well, many of the Jews got into the promised land and they got familiar with these things and said, oh, this is a nice little piece. Be nice, a little centerpiece on the coffee table of this little fake God. And the next thing you know, they're, they're tolerating it and, and embracing it and then celebrating it and then turning on the righteous for not agreeing with them. And so verse, uh, uh, yeah, he was guilty for joining his wife and advocating it, and that advocacy included silence, just not saying anything. Jesus said, you're either with me or you're, or you're against me, but you can't be neutral. And the Jews were not allowed to be neutral. And uh, the world says... You know, we're watching the world spin things around. If you say, I, I disagree with that. I think that's wrong. Well, now you're a hater, you know. No, I'm not a hater. See, so spinning it around is still the same old stuff from Satan. It deserves a yawn and a sigh. So it was. I, I don't know. So I don't know what I would do in the workplace nowadays. I, I think I'd be fired a long time ago. <laughs> I, I, I'd probably open up a... Um, a tire, sell tires, because I certainly would be going around flattening them to get even. <laughs> you can't do that. It's a caricature when I do these things. They're caricatures to show you the, how wrong it would be if Christianity took to the methods of Islam and started killing people for not agreeing with us. Uh, we do not do that. We, we love the Lord our God because he is so many other things, including he is right. He is everything he says is right, whether we see it or not, because we know enough of him to sign off on that. If he can love me, then he's, you know, I'm impressed. A lot of people want you to be impressed by a lot of things, and they just, they get very frustrated when you're not, right? Like, yeah, that was, that was boring. <laughs> anyway. Verse 27, so it was when a, you know, I would be a hermit if I didn't think it would drive me crazy. Because <laughs> I strongly believe that when you withdraw from his society, you go out of your mind. Because God has ordained it that way. We need each other, uh, like each other or not. I mean, I like you. And I know you like me. How could you not? I'm, one of the goals I want in life is for people to say, he's just a cuddly teddy bear, which is never going to happen. There's some men that are like that. He's just a big teddy bear. Even if I got fatter, I still would not be a teddy bear. It's, just, it's not in me. I don't know who to blame for this. My parents were loving. Um, they didn't drop me on my head. I blamed the Marine Corps. They, that's them. I was angry when I got there. They just took it to another level. And were unashamed over the whole thing. Anyway, 
I can still hear the drill instructor saying, think about nothing but kill, kill, kill. I can still hear him. I can't get out of my head. Be gone. For a young 17-year-old impressionable like that, man, that could set the wrong course. So you got to, as a Christian, you have to settle these things and choose your side. Anyhow, thanks for going with me down memory lane. He's such a cute teddy bear. <laughs> I mean, I grew the beard. I think it would help. No, no just like, you know. He's a cactus with a beard. Verse 27. So it was when Ahab heard those words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fastened and laid sackcloth uh, and fasted and laid sackcloth lay in sackcloth, and went about mooring. Just the other day, I went to the barber, which is me, and uh, I had to run downstairs for something before I took the hair off, and I put a shirt on, and that hair was just sticking me. It's, ah, sackcloth, sackcloth, be gone. Uh, but, man, this is kind of the self-inflicted penance that they were into. It didn't change anything. He still ended up a creep. But... Um, who saw this coming? Who saw that after the prophet confronted him about his sin, that he would actually read it, verse 27 again, uh, so it was when Ahab heard those words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. So he was devastated by this, this news. Incidentally, they must have had cheap clothes, clothes because try tearing one of your garments. It ain't happening. Uh, maybe, you know, so I don't pick out something like a scarf. And so anyway, coming back to this, it is after he mentions what's going to happen to Jezebel, that seems to be the thing that really uh, got to him. So that leads me to think that, well, these two loved each other. Uh, So did one of the Herods. You know, he loved his wife that he stole from his brother. They actually loved each other. But they were wicked people. And they they killed a lot of people or had people killed or other problems they brought into their lives. And so just because they were lovebirds doesn't justify who they were. And uh, making a love story out of that is diabolical. So uh, coming back to this. Uh, this is heartfelt, for sure. God will even say it. He meant it. Um, but it's short-lived. Verse 28, And the word of Yahweh came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself, verse 29, before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. And so God walks back some of the judgment Attached to Ahab. And you say, why? Why walk it back? You had him. These are foreboding words from God that he initially gave. And he, 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 God sees the man is moved. And you, again, you say, why? Because God never smites while there is a chance. While there is still a chance. God is saying, you see how wicked this guy is? And he makes a movement in my direction. And I'm there to receive him. I'm not saying to him, no, you're too dirty. Have you heard people say, I'm too much of a sinner to come to God? Uh, You're just, you're lying. We know you're a sinner. But don't be acting like God has got a problem and he can't overcome this. And the message of the cross is that as long as there is life, there is hope. And there are two kings that are more pronounced than the others, Ahab and Manasseh, when it comes to this very thing. Ahab got away with nothing except a second chance from God, and he blew it. God saw a genuine self-abasement in this man. Listen to this, Isaiah says, and Jesus repeats this. It was said of Jesus, A bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not quench, He will bring forth justice for truth. And here is a smoking flax. There's still something going on there. And God does not say, nope, and put it out, snuff it out. He gives him a chance. God sees both. He knows where this is going to go. And he also knows that other people will come along and hear this story. And sadly, he never uh, entered into true repentance. It would have been better had he died after making this confession. It would have been better for him. But he lived long enough 
to trample it. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by Yahweh, and he delights in his way, taking the whole Bible and what it preaches on this subject. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So the bark of God is not as severe as the bite. The bite is worse. worse. And God seeks to help anyone who will come and abide in him. Ahab came, but he did not abide. John's gospel tells us about God seeking. True worshipers will... John chapter 4, verse 23, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. John four twenty three again. And so, a chance to return. Again, John's gospel, chapter 15, verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch is, withered, and they gather them up, they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And so that abiding, that remaining with the Lord is not enough to say, okay, I'm wrong. I really hate that I goofed this up. More is required. And I want to take two verses, well, three, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close up. This one is from Timothy. First Timothy chapter 2, in verse 4, we're getting the mind of God who desires all men, well, let's take verse 3 too. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Oh, wait a minute. I thought Jesus was the Savior. He is. But then why is God our Savior? Because Jesus is God. He is God the Son. And so there you could, you know, the Jehovah Witnesses sent me something in the mail. Just, I just see this thing in the mail. I get a letter like, you know, hi, Rick. And uh, it's from local. And it's, who's writing me a, who's writing me a letter? Nobody writes me a letter. I'm not a teddy bear. And I, I open it up, and it's all of this Jehovah Witness stuff comes flying out like Pandora's box. It's like, it's like you know, uh, what is that one um, Indiana Jones scene when they open <laughs> all the spirits come flying out? I happened to be burning Monday, and so I threw it in the fire pile, and it let off a foul stench. Anyhow, coming back, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is what God wants. Second Timothy now, chapter 2, verse 26. Um, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Well, that's what God wants. He wants to save people. And long as there is life... There is often hope. However, Jezebel does not seem to have gotten an invitation. Too far gone? Big question mark there. Closing with this verse, John 6, verse 37. And all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. God did not cast out Ahab. Ahab jumped out on his own. Let's pray. Now, Father, um, again, lesson on top of lesson, given to us not only to entertain us, but to better uh, serve you, to make us better at being witnesses and servants, not only in the assembly, but in the world that so desperately needs those who are passionate for the truth and passionate for you. May you get us all home safely tonight. We ask you, in Jesus' name, amen.